Okay, time for a contest. As a youth pastor a long time ago, contests were always boys against the girls, so it's going to be no different than today. If you notice, the title of the sermon was, What's Love Got to Do With It? That's a song, correct? Who sang it? Tina Turner. I thought about doing it, but I won't do it. So here's the contest. I could have picked from a host of songs that had the word love in it to be the title of this morning's sermon. So girls first, we're going to see who can name the most songs, secular or sacred, with the word love in them. Secular are the ones we don't sing in church. Sacred are the ones we do. Just clarify that for you. Okay? can be any, any song, any genre. doesn't matter. If it's country western, I may not recognize it. I'll just say, uh-huh. Okay? Uh, so, ladies, song with love in it. Title. Love Me Tender. Guys. Anything by the Beatles. Anything by the Beatles. <laughs> Who invited you? (laughs) Guys, give me one. Jesus loves me. See, guys are so much more spiritual. It's the only song Ray knows. Girls, amazing love. Guys, love shack. So, So much for that spiritual thing, huh? Girls, love makes the world go around. Guys, stop in the name of love. Girls, radar love. Guys, all you need is love. You see, we could, this would be the whole sermon if we could just keep, just keep going. It's amazing how much love is used today, that term. Now, pop quiz. What is our church's vision? (laughs) Love. What is our church's vision? We are to be, we want to be a people who are transformed by faith. Wisdom. (laughs) Growing in wisdom. Intentional in relationships and service. service. You guys knew love songs more than you knew the mission of our church. And it's printed for you on the bulletin. Front page, right there to read. Intentional in relationships. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. If you pull out one of the pew Bibles, I believe it's on page 789, somewhere in that vicinity. This is where we get this transformed by faith, growing in wisdom, intentional in relationships and service is from Romans chapter 12 is one of the key uh, verses or or areas that we, scripture passages that we look at for this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, 
and perfect will. In describing Christians or the way the Christian life is supposed to be, Paul says that we are not to be what? What does he say in these verses? We are not to be conformed to the world. We are not to be shaped by the world. But I'll guarantee you from the time you were born, that shaping process started. All of us have, a, have, a, have been shaped by the world in some way. It's only in coming to know Christ that we are, what does Paul say? Transformed. Reshaped. Reformed. That, that word to understand transform means that, that that word is metamorphosis, meaning to change. That we are transformed by faith. Faith changes us. We're not to be shaped by the world anymore. We're to be reshaped by faith, by faith in Christ. Jesus begins a work within us, and he is shaping us. He is changing us, transforming us, getting rid of the image of the world and reinstating that image of God by which we were all created with. A Christian is not the same person they were before knowing Christ. We're to be transformed. We're changed from the inside out. The first change that we are to have, and these are noticeable changes, the first, the first change is that we, we are to think differently because we're transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. You see, our mind has been shaped. I'm going to use the word warped by the world. And Jesus says the first thing he needs to do when he comes in and begins that transformation is he needs to reshape, he needs to renew our mind because we need to be thinking differently about things. We are to be concerned about things that we were never concerned with before. Suddenly we're concerned about the Bible. What is it? What does it mean? Is it trustworthy? What's in it? Before, we didn't care. We're concerned about things like salvation. Concerned about things like heaven and hell, justice for others. We were always concerned about justice for myself, but now we're renewed in our thinking and we're concerned about justice for others. Concerned about a love for others. We've always been concerned about a love for myself, but now we're concerned about a love for others. There's another change that when we begin to think differently, we begin to act differently. And you've got to understand that the rethinking comes before the reacting. So many of us want to change what we do without changing how we think. And that might work once or twice, but eventually you're going to go back to how you think. So we need to change our thinking, then we need to change our actions because we're growing in wisdom. We usually start with actions. We try the sheer will, willpower, and that never works. And then the third change is our relationships. We treat people differently. We look at people differently. We think about ourselves in a right perspective, and we gain the right priorities. That was Bob's sermon last week. That we have a right perspective on who we are in Christ, and then we begin to see other people in light of who they are or aren't in Christ. So we're thinking differently, we're acting differently, and we're relating differently. Transformed by faith, growing in wisdom, intentional in our relationships. 
And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Intentional relationships. To look, go on down to chapter 12, verse 9. <clears throat> Paul goes right into intentional relationships with this. As he's talked about being transformed, he says in verse 9, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is all a part of intentionality. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to, to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You don't do any of that stuff by accident. You can't do anything. We're not going to look at each one because that would take us weeks. I'm going to highlight some of them that I think are, are ultimately important to, to at least where we need to start. But we can't do any of that accidentally. Three words that I want to look at this morning, and the first one is intentional. Now, intentional is not found in this. I think the principle is there. The word is not used. It's not found in Scripture anywhere. But the principles are the same. What does that mean, intentional? It means that I am deliberate. I, it is a planned action. It is a, I, I meant to do it. I considered there, there is, there is that, that thought-out aspect. If something is intentional, it is thought-out. I planned on doing this. I did it with a purpose. When a, when a pitcher in baseball issues an intentional walk, that means he meant to walk that person. No, one, no other time in baseball does a pitcher ever mean to walk someone. In fact, it goes against their very nature. As a pitcher, I hated to get the call from the, uh, knowing the situation, I hated to get that intentional walk sign. You're going to have to walk this guy. You're going to have to intentionally throw four bad pitches, which goes against everything in my pitcher's being. I just wanted to throw strikes. I wanted to get the guy out. Don't make me walk him. Do it on purpose. You see, have you ever bumped into someone at the mall or someplace and, and you're, you're just walking along and, hey, you know, someone you know and you, you bump into them and you even sometimes maybe you go home and you tell your spouse or say, hey, you'll never guess who I bumped into. Have you ever bumped into something intentionally? You know when you're walking through your house and you bump into the coffee table and it hurts? You don't intentionally bump into someone. And so when we think of relationships, they need to be intentional. We're not talking about the bump into's. So if we are intentional, 
We are purposeful in our relationship. Intentional has an aspect of not natural, not normal. has an aspect of we need to change the way we think. We need to transform our thinking, our actions, and be intentional in the relationships. We have to work at intentionality. We have to work at doing the right thing. Right doesn't always come naturally to us. Seldom does it come naturally to us. We don't bump in to good behavior. Intentionally. We need to, to, to live our lives with intentionality concerning other people. But most of us live our lives with no intentionality. We're happy with the bump ins. We're happy just running into someone. No purpose. But what is our purpose? If we're looking at relationships, what is our purpose in every relationship? You don't know why you have friends? Why do you have friends? Because we are to be a people who are transformed by faith, growing in wisdom. That's why you're intentional in your relationships. Nothing else matters. I don't make friends with someone because they make me feel good. Did you see how selfish that is? Because the moment you stop making me feel good, I'm not your friend anymore. That's the way most of us live our life. That's the way most of us live our married life. No, intentionality is I am going to befriend you because I want to see you transformed by faith and growing in wisdom. That has to be the, the underlying purpose in everything we do, including intentional relationships and service. You see, those just aren't words on the cover of a bulletin. That's basic foundational life principle. And if we don't take it, if we don't eat it, if we don't devour it, if we don't make it become such a, a main part of who we are, we're going to live a life of bumping into things. We can't live a life of bumping into people. Our relationships are supposed to be transformational. We're supposed to be moving people closer in their relationship to God, moving them along. So that I intentionally have someone who's farther along in the journey than me and intentionally have a few people at least who are not as far along in me and we're moving together on purpose. We don't bump along. Every day, every day is an opportunity to transform someone else's life. Every day is an opportunity to, to, to impact a person's life, maybe in a big way, maybe a small way, maybe in a good way, and if we're not really intentional, it may be in a bad way. We may actually do more harm than good. No one's ever bumped into a, a coffee table and went, oh, good. That'll add color to that part of my leg. No, no one likes to accidentally bump into something. Intentional. Intentional in our relationships. If we're going to leave a mark on someone, we better be intentional about what kind of mark we are going to leave. Every day we leave our mark. We must be intentional in leaving a God mark on them. Intentional is not what comes naturally. We have to think, we have to plan, we have to be purposeful. 
That means when you're driving in your car and someone cuts you off, you do not have the right to get mad at them. Road rage is not a right. Road rage is natural. We have to be intentionally not natural. We have to wave, mouth the words, I'm sorry. Whatever it is, may not even be your fault. Let them know you acknowledge that, but you're not mad. You don't have the right to get mad at the waitress when your order isn't quite right. When she fouled it up, or he fouled it up, or it's not cooked to your liking, you don't have the right to get mad at that person. That comes natural. You have to be intentional. You have no idea what kind of night they just had. And you're about to push them over the edge unless you intentionally love them. That's what love has to do with it. It's the foundation for our intentional relationships. You don't have the right to degrade your spouse publicly or privately. And I hear this a lot. A lot more than I wish I did. I hear husbands and wives belittling remarks. I hear wives say, oh, my husband could never do that. I I hear husbands say, boy, I wish my wife were like that. Do you know what kind of mark that leaves? Do you know what kind of impact that leaves? And those are natural comments. You have to be intentional, purposeful unnatural, supernatural. But how do we do that? How, how are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? We, we, we have to learn to think differently. Now here's an exercise. I want everyone to close your eyes. Most of the time on a Sunday morning, you come into the sanctuary and you sit in basically the same place you always sit. If you are sitting in the same place or within about four or five seats of the same place you always sit, raise your hand right now. Okay, make a note. I had 350 at the altar call raise their hands this morning. Keep your eyes closed. That's almost everybody, okay? Now, here's the exercise. Without looking, I want you to picture... The person sitting behind you. Who are they? What's their name? Where do they work? Where do they live? Do you have any idea who they are? Now, I want you with your eyes closed, picture the person sitting in front of you. This should be easier because you've been looking at the back of their head for about 40 minutes. Who are they? Okay, open your eyes. If we don't know them, if you couldn't answer some of just those basic questions, then you have not, we have not been intentional with them, and yet we sit near them in worship almost every Sunday. You come in, you sit, no intentionality, no intentionality. That has to change. That has to change because lives aren't transformed that way. So how do we become intentional? I wish I could tell you. 
Actually, I am going to tell you on September 8th. That's that, uh, the IR seminar, Intentional Relationship Seminars. How can I become intentional with people? And, and I think every one of us needs to be there. Because one sermon cannot give you the practical knowledge of how to make and maintain meaningful transformational relationships. But I think uh, 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 giving a Saturday morning to just that, being intentional, is going to push us in the right direction as a church. So if you are an elder in this church, you need to be there. Why? Because the front of our bulletin says we are a people who are intentional in relationships. And so as an elder and a leader, we need to be there leading. September 8th. If you're a small group leader, you need to come and bring your group because where else do we most need intentional relationships but in our small groups? If you're a head usher or a greeter team captain, you need to bring your teams with you. If you're a children's worker, you need to be here. If you're a youth worker, you need to be here. If you're a senior hire that works with TNL or E56, you need to be here because we cannot let any of those ministries happen by bumping into people. We have to be intentional, on purpose, transformed. I've heard it said, CAC is a friendly church. But I've also heard it said, it's hard to make friends. We are a friendly church. But are we a friend church? Are we intentional? Friendly can just be bumping in. You can be nice, but are we friends? Are we intentional in those relationships? If this is the church you have chosen to attend, then these are the people you have chosen to love. If this is the church that you have chosen to attend, then these are the people you have chosen to love. And that brings us to the second word today, and that is love. What is love? The Greek word as it's used here, love must be sincere, is agape. And of the three words that are used for love, this is the highest level of affection for someone. This is the godly love, the divine love. This isn't the bump into brotherly love. This is all business love. And it must be sincere. It must be undisguised. That's what that word means. Un, uh, without hypocrisy, it must be truth. And when we love must be sincere, as love must be truthful. It must be my true feelings. And folks... Deep, deep love does not come natural. Divine love does not come from a human perspective, but only through a divine intervention, a divine influence within us. Speak the truth how? The Bible says we are to speak the truth in love. Agape, divine love, it must be sincere. If your love is only through the words that you say, if people only ever hear you say, I love you, hey, love you, sign the into your email, love you, and that's all, they just hear it or read it, I would have to question the sincerity. If all you did was say how you, you love a person, but those words are never backed by action, 
Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you're going to be a person of action. You're going to do the things that I, that I have instru- instructed. Jesus said, back that love up with actions. Words and deeds must be in sync. Same is true for other people. You can say you love me. You can say you care for me. But if you don't do anything, if there's no action behind it, you see, love is an action word. Love is a verb. It requires action. Paul goes on to say, be devoted. This is the word that describes the love of a parent-child relationship. This is a deep family affection. This is to describe the love within the church. Family type of love. Parents, how much do you love your kids? I mean, when they're good. Can you say that about the person sitting behind you? Can you say that about the person sitting in front of you? That you love them with the, with, with the same intensity, the same intentionality as you love your kids? Paul uses the exact same word. Be devoted to one another. The, be be the, the relationship of a parent, child, or husband and wife with one another. Honor. Honor shows rank. You have to understand intentionally everyone in this room outranks you as a human being. Everyone outranks you. You're to honor them as one who is of a higher rank than you are. Which means you always hold the door. You always greet. You always excuse yourself. You always put that other person first. Hospitality, down in verse, uh, I think it's 16, uh, verse 13. Practice hospitality. You know what hospitality means? We think it means having our friends over to our house. Hospitality actually means love for strangers. Hospitality means having strangers over to your house. Having the new person, there's a new person sitting behind you. Hospitality is to show love to them. There's a new person that's come in and sat in front of you. You need to be intentional and, and love that person. It's easy to have your friends over. Paul says we need to go beyond because having your friends over is natural. Loving strangers, not natural. This is the church you have chosen to attend. That means these are the people you have chosen to love. Now, what have we got to lose? If we, love, if we love like that, what do we have to lose? Well, actually, we have a lot to lose. Because consider this, if you're going to love intentionally and you're going to bring about transformation in other people, then we have to lose the freedom to be self-centered. What do I have to lose? I have to lose my self-centeredness. Life is not about you. Life is not about me. We will have to lose the freedom to be busy and therefore not have time for people. You know what the number, that's the number one excuse why people don't get involved in small group. When I talk to them and say, hey, we've got small groups, you're not in one, would you like to be in one? I don't 
have time. Really? What do you have time for? Because this is what we're about. We are about transformed by faith, growing in wisdom and intentional in relationships. And if we don't have time for intentional in relationships, then I'm doubting that we're transformed by faith or growing in wisdom. If we're saying all the right things but not doing anything, we don't have, we have to lose the freedom to be busy. We'll have to lose looking at church as a spiritual fix for the week because it's, it's not about coming in, sitting down, singing, listening, and leaving. Part of the time, you need to be intentionally interacting. We'll have to lose that holier-than-thou attitude <clears throat> to people who aren't as spiritual as me. Honor one another above yourselves. You are the lowest ranking person in this room. I say that to myself first. Honor others above yourself. Verse 16 says, do not be proud, be willing to associate with people of low position. We will have to lose the, the I pray for you response and get involved and actually pray with them. Because I, I know from personal experience that, hey, I'm going to pray for you. About half the time probably actually gets done. But if someone comes up to you and shares a burden, before you leave and say, I'll pray for you, why don't you just pray for them? Right there, right then. Then you don't have to make a promise you may not keep. Intentional. We're going to have to lose that. We have to lose the critical spirit of when my personal preferences are, are not satisfied. Because it's not about me. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's not natural. That's intentional. Word number three, serve. This is the action. This is the action behind love. If we're going to be intentional in our relationships, then we're going to be intentional in our service because that's the, the verb part. That's the action part of love. Never be lacking in zeal. Don't be sluggish. Service should should be our first response. If you go to the counter at a Chick-fil-A restaurant and you ask for packets of the heavenly nectar known as honey barbecue sauce, <laughs> which my wife asks for four or five more than she actually needs because she takes them home with her in the purse. That's why they don't just lay those out next to the ketchup. Okay? But let's say you go to Chick-fil-A and you ask for one of these and they hand you some packets and you say thank you. What will they say to you? It's my pleasure. While they look you in the eye. It's my pleasure. I don't care who you talk to. I don't care where you go, which counter you go. I don't care if it's the guy sweeping up the floor and you ask him, hey, could you go get me? When he brings it back and you say thank you, he will say it is my pleasure. 
They've got it. They understand it. They know it. Because when you go to Taco Bell, <laughs> and you make your order at, with this person, and then you slide down the counter, and you watch them make your order, one, you get real scared watching them actually put it together. But then let's say that you take your cup and you go to get a drink. And you look on your receipt and you're order number 87. And while you're getting your drink, you hear the click of the tray on the counter and you hear, 87, have a nice day. Which one is intentional and which one is not? Do you see the difference? Both are trying to be customer service oriented. One just has the market on it. We need to be intentional in our service. It, it is a, an eye-to-eye contact. Now mix that intentionality with sincerity and you have Christ-like service. And serving God is the same thing as serving Jesus. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25... Jesus said, serving me, if you have served the least of these, you have served me. And so we need to be intentional in serving one another, in serving one another. Let me tell you a quick story, and I'll end with this. We went on vacation uh, the 29th of June. We left uh, to fly to Spokane, Washington. Sarah's nephew was getting married. We were going to spend a few days with their family in uh, Yellowstone, then pop over to Seattle and and uh, then pop back for the wedding. So 10 days for an hour and a half time together with the wedding and reception. But our flight was going from Pittsburgh to Chicago O'Hare, catch another flight, go from Chicago to Denver, catch another flight, go from Denver to Spokane. We left our house at about 5 o'clock in the morning. To get to the airport to catch the 740 flight into Chicago. We land in Chicago at 8 o'clock, their time, local time. We're heading to our gate. We check the big screen to make sure we're moving in the right direction. And what we run into is our flight from Chicago to Denver has been canceled due to airplane maintenance. Okay, that just probably means they're moving us to a different gate, putting us in... We get to the gate, and I said, uh, I'm looking for a flight. I don't remember the number. She said, oh, it's been canceled. You'll have to go to customer service. And she continued her conversation with the lady. She was the other agent she was talking to. Okay. I turn around. I tell the family. I said, hey, we got to go to customer service. Flight's canceled. We'll, we'll get on the next flight as quick as we can. The line in customer service now has our entire flight, and I don't know how many other flights that were being delayed. I stood in line for two hours. Needless to say, missed the flight to Denver and missed the flight from Denver to Spokane. I get to the customer service counter, and Mr. Y. Khan, that's what his name tag said, is sitting behind the counter. Next! I walk up, explain my situation. He says, well, let me see what we can do. Actually, it was, okay, I won't do the Indian accent, but you'll get it. 
he starts typing, you know, scrunches up his face, says, well, after about 15 minutes of not talking to me at all, only scrunching his face and typing, said, I can get you to Minneapolis and from Minneapolis to Spokane first thing in the morning. I said, are you kidding me? Okay, I, I thought that. I didn't say anything. So I said, is that the best you can do? I said, we, we've got to get, I said, we got here at 8 o'clock in the morning. I can't get, there's no other way to get me to Spokane tonight. Because after we land in Spokane, we have an eight-hour drive to where we're staying. And I said, all right, put us in, get us to Minneapolis. I said, he said, we'll give you food vouchers for lunch. We'll give you, uh, when you get to Minneapolis, you'll get a voucher for a hotel and food for that night and the next morning. I said, okay. So he hands me the food vouchers. He gives me the boarding passes to fly from Chicago here to uh, Minneapolis. And I said, what about the voucher for the hotel? Oh, you'll get that when you get there. Just talk to one of those agents. Anybody else have red flags going like this? <laughs> I'm like, you can't give me the voucher. No, we deal, they deal with different hotels than what we deal with here. I don't have the authority to do that. Just stop and see one of the customers. Okay. Three o'clock flight. We get to our gate. Three o'clock flight delayed. 3.30 flight delayed. 4 o'clock flight delayed, 4.30 flight delayed, 5 o'clock flight delayed, 5.30 flight delayed, 6 o'clock now boarding. Anybody do the math? Nine and a half hours in Chicago O'Hare. We get on the plane, we fly to Minneapolis, great flight. We land, I get out, and I see a guy standing over here that looks important. And I go and I talk to him, and I say, what, uh, here, here's my situation. He said, oh, we don't have a designated customer service area. <laughs> you just need to talk to one of the gate agents. Okay, at 8 o'clock at night in Minneapolis, there's only one gate open. And it's got about 15 people standing in line. 16 now. I get to the line. It's about 8.15, 8.20. I explained to him my situation. Actually, it's about 8 o'clock right now. I explained to him my situation. He says, who told you that? <laughs> Mr. Y. Khan told me that. I actually wrote his name down so I wouldn't forget. He says, well, I, I can't do that here. I said, you need to go see the ticketing agent down, in the, down there. And I said, okay. Now, that means I have to leave security. And if this doesn't work out, how am I getting back in? He said, oh, it'll be fine. Just, you need to go talk to them. <laughs> so I get down to ticketing. We go through security. I get down to ticketing and there is nobody there. Two TSA agents. And I asked them, they said, oh, it's 8.05. They went home at 8. Really? I'm still keeping my cool pretty well throughout this whole whole event. And they said, yeah, if you go down to baggage claim, <laughs> off in the corner there's a, a, an office, you'll probably just need to talk to them. Okay. Go down, we go down to baggage claim, and we meet Rachel. Again, wrote it down. I explained the situation to Rachel, and she goes, 
who sent you down here? I don't even have any of the stuff to do that with. They're supposed to take care of that up there. I said, I understand that. There's no one up there. You are the only person employee from this airline in the building right now. And she said, well, let me make some phone calls. I'll see what I can do. She's just randomly calling hotels at this point. She said, here's some vouchers. Go eat. Come back. We'll see what we have done. We go. We eat at a restaurant that is closing in 10 minutes, and they cannot usher us out fast enough. Then they find out we're paying, paying with vouchers instead of cash. Service went right out the window. We go back down, and Rachel has gone to lunch. But on her desk, she leaves voucher for a hotel. She leaves vouchers for breakfast the next morning. And she took care of every need we had transportation to the hotel, transportation back the next morning, all taken care of by the baggage claim lady who wasn't even supposed to do that. Now, here's my question. You bump into people every single day. Who will you be? The gate agent who says, go see so-and-so? Will you see Wycon, who just gives us a line of bull and then sends us on our way, knowing he'll never see us again? I looked for him on our return flight. (laughs) Or will you be Rachel, who went beyond and was intentional in getting us what we needed? The choice is yours every single day day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is intentional with us, that you have sought us out, and that you love us with a sincere, truthful love. Lord, I praise you this morning that you want to love others through us with that same intentionality. Lord, help us to be servants Help us to be intentional. Help us to go beyond just bumping in. But to love with sincerity. To love strangers. To do that which is not natural. And we'll give you the glory as you build your kingdom around us. In Jesus' name, amen.